Patrick. I mean, huge news day. Breaking news last night. So uh, we have uh, we brought Katie Barlow on, uh, Fox 5's chief legal correspondent, host of In the Courts, writer with SCOTUS blog. Obviously, Katie, uh, last night, breaking news, there was a leak of a draft opinion from the court that indicates that um, Roe versus Wade has a potential to be overturned based on based on the draft. So we figured we'd get you on to take us yeah. through it and what we know and and your thoughts. Yeah, I'm sitting here um, in the Fox 5 studio with my highlighter and my paper copy. I feel like I'm in law school again, uh, trying to get all the way through the opinion since the news broke. Uh, we've been covering it nonstop, so I'm I'm halfway through reading the opinion right now. But what we know is this document very much appears to be an authentic draft of a majority opinion to not just carve out part of the holding in Roe v. Way and not just chip away at it, as some suspected might happen under this Supreme Court's conservative majority, but to eviscerate it to absolutely overrule Roe v. Wade and its progeny, upholding a woman's right to choose to have an abortion up until about 23, 24 weeks of pregnancy. Get into the details of what that is and what that means. But by all accounts, this document looks authentic. It's long. It has um, 100 plus footnotes. It's reasoned like a Supreme Court opinion is reasoned. Um, you know, some folks who know Alito and have been reading Alito for a long time say this sounds like him, Justice Alito, of course, uh, who is the, the chief drafter here. So um, a bombshell report from Politico. This is not something, to my knowledge, that has happened in modern times, at least, uh, and to my knowledge at all, at the Supreme Court, where a full draft has come out while a case is still pending. So yeah, a few questions. So Alito writes the draft, then it's circulated and then they vote or did they take a vote based on the, the, the testimony and then he writes the draft? Can you just take us so we understand how that works? Yeah, this is something that happens behind closed doors at the Supreme Courts with not something that is particularly well known. But um, basically, after a uh, court, after the court hears oral argument in a case, um, they go into conference and they go into a room where only the nine justices are there. No, no clerk, no staff, no one's allowed in. And they take an initial vote of where they think they are. All of the justices speak. Nobody speaks twice until everyone gets to say their piece. Um, they all hear each other out and they take a vote. And so once that initial vote is taken, they kind of have an idea of a majority, if it's unanimous, if there's a dissent. And then the most senior justice um, writing, whether that's in a dissent or in a majority, assigns who writes the opinion. And that's one of the questions that I have here. But um, clearly from Politico's reporting, there were five votes. Uh, and as of this week, they say there are still five votes to um, eviscerate Roe v. Roe, Roe v. Wade, as we've seen in this opinion. So um, it looks like Justice Alito was assigned to draft the opinion. All of this happens right after oral argument. They take it, they take the vote, and then you know the, the most senior justice assigns someone to draft the opinion. So most and likely, then, Thomas would have assigned Alito. Well, that's the question because if the chief was in the majority, he would have assigned the opinion. And there's some reporting from CNN last night that Chief Justice John Roberts. Uh, who is a fellow President Bush appointee alongside uh, Justice Samuel Alito, that he would not be with the majority here in overturning Roe v. Wade, but that he would potentially be a vote to uphold Mississippi's abortion ban at 15 weeks. So somewhere in the middle. If he was in the majority, technically, he could have assigned this opinion. If not, then it would have gone to Justice Thomas. Now, I also question why Justice Thomas wouldn't have assigned that opinion to himself. Um, so I have a question about why Justice Alito is the one writing this draft majority opinion. That's something that will be answered once we get the final decision of the court. But that's how that works. But I will also caution when that process happens, when drafting begins, 
and the draft starts to circulate among the majority and they send it to the dissent and the dissent sends theirs over and, and both sides kind of workshop their writing and their holding and their rationale with each other. Um, while all that's happening, things change. The last, the, the, the draft of the language changes and votes have been known to change. Um, justices can get persuaded to change their position during this time. So again, underscoring that this is a draft. Um, it's a draft of history for sure, but it's a draft. So conventional wisdom suggests, I guess, that, or, you know, those, those analyzing this suggest Kavanaugh when he, in his confirmation hearings was pretty clear that Roe was so-called settled law or precedent and that he would not overturn it. So people are hoping maybe that he is the swing here. I, I mean, is that, does that, I mean, I know we're totally speculating here, but I mean, is that what, what the hope is that maybe through this process, Kavanaugh moves to, to the minority, or which would then be the majority? Well, I think a couple of things. Um, to your point, during Justice Kavanaugh's confirmation, he did indicate uh, that it, more so than other conservative justices, that Roe was settled law. Um, however, during oral argument for this case, he listed a number of Supreme Court precedents uh, where the court has overturned itself by necessity, including, you know, a holding upholding segregation. Uh, yeah, so like, was that it's, Plessy v. Ferguson? Yeah, that it was overturned the, by Brown, right? Yes. So it's not surprising that Kavanaugh, based on his oral argument indications, um, was in the majority here. And in fact, Kavanaugh, I covered Kavanaugh when he was on the D.C. Circuit and Kavanaugh tends to show his hand during oral argument. He doesn't hide the ball. And he tends to give away where he's going during oral argument. So I'm not surprised that he would be in the majority here. And a lot of folks in the press corps were counting to five um, on overturning Roe v. Wade. More interesting is, uh, you know, Justice Alito, when he was going through confirmation, uh, did not indicate that Roe was such settled law. So um, I think as we we go to We've recently seen Congress's role in the confirmation process. We've recently seen a confirmation live. and We've recently seen senators grapple with how to vote in that case. And I think today a lot of folks are going to have questions for Senator Susan Collins, who voted in favor of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. In large part, she told her constituents because she did not believe that he would vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. Mm. Wow. I know. Um and Katie, obviously, news outlets are speculating whoever leaked this. Right. I mean, we don't know from what I've read. It sounds like if it was a clerk, it's actually because because it's such a tight knit group. You know, if a clerk were to leak it, that person is most likely to be found out. If a justice leaked it, we might never know because, you know, there's so few people around them to know. I mean, is it possible that a justice leaked this? I mean, that would be wild. Um, and would they leak this to try to sway uh, Kavanaugh? That the, the public pressure would be so much. Is that the point of leaking it? That that perhaps in two months we there someone might change. Well, anything is possible. It's possible a justice leaked it. It's possible a clerk leaked it. Um, I think we'll get some more reporting on that in the coming days. And it's likely that the Supreme Court will conduct some sort of internal investigation on itself to figure out where the leak came from. But clerks and justices um, abide a pretty a strict code of confidentiality. This is an institution that just does not leak or very rarely leaks, and certainly not in this way. There's a um, story from the late Justice Antonin Scalia when he uh, was bringing in a set of law clerks. He would do an introduction to the chambers, say, I have an open door policy here. Um, but if you ever do anything to portray the confidences of what happens in chambers, I will do everything in my power to ruin your career. Um, it is a career ender for anyone who works at the court and leaks this type of information. And it's something that the court internally We'll be grappling with for a long time. To your question about why, there are three theories that are emerging right now, and nobody knows for sure what they, which one is right. But one theory is that uh, a liberal clerk or somebody associated with a liberal justice 
leaked this in order to try and pry away one member of the majority from voting to absolutely overturn Roe v. Wade. Another theory is that perhaps one member of the majority or two members were wavering. And so a conservative clerk or a conservative justice got this information out there um, to pressure them to stay where they are uh, now that it is known what their what their vote at least initially was. I find both of those hard to believe because the notion of leaking information to pressure a Supreme Court justice to change their mind. I mean, all of this is unprecedented, but that's just um, that's pretty far fetched. A mm. third theory is that someone leaked this to get this out into the public domain so that the American psyche processes it emotionally, talks about it, gets it, you know, tired and out of their system by the time we get to the midterm elections, rather than waiting another two months when we would likely get the opinion at the end of June closer to the midterm elections. We have seen, um, you know, the Supreme Court, uh, the American public get really riled up about the Supreme Court. And then that quiet when Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and President Trump nominated and the Senate confirmed her replacement in a month. Um, that angered a lot of folks, but then that calmed down. And the Biden administration came in and said, we're going to talk about Supreme Court reform, but we're going to appoint a commission to do it. And it's going to take them six months. And then they're going to put out a report. And then they put out a report and we talked about it a little bit. And then everything you know, quieted down again. So that theory holds a little bit of water for me. Um, I, I certainly do not know what the motive was here for leaking, uh, but that's something that I'm looking forward to, to seeing more reporting on in the coming days. So some, I know we have you only for a short amount of time, some rapid fire stuff. Is, is, it a, is it illegal for a clerk, let's say, or someone else to leak this? Or is, is it, will, will this person be disbarred? It's not a crime, um, to my okay. knowledge, unless some sort of, um, you know, the way that the opinion was accessed um, breached, you know, like a, a computer like fraud. Soft, like they broke um, into someone's computer yeah. or something. Um, yeah. You know, unless there was fraud in accessing the document or something like that or, or a breach of a system. Um, but it's not it is not a crime, uh, to my knowledge, to, to leak this information. In fact, we see it from the other branches of government all the time. That's why it's so remarkable that it happened here, because um, you, it doesn't you, happen. You, here. you also said that this is a career ender potentially. But in terms of how divisive this issue is, if this, let's say, in a totally speculation was a, a clerk for one of the justices on the left, you know, could this person be seen as like a potential hero of, of some sort? And and it's not a career ender because it's such an emotional and divisive issue. I mean, sure. I'm sure there are, there are members of the American public that uh, the beauty of the American public is they have opinions about everything and they're, <laughs> they're divided about this issue. And there, there is a spectrum of support for all kinds of behavior when it comes to the debate over access to abortion. Um, so I, I, no doubt that there would be people who are supportive of this idea. Um, I, I use the story from Justice Scalia as an example, but it, it, you know, it is not just him who abides and upholds a strict code of confidentiality. Right. Um, all of the nine do and have. And so um, this breach is, I say, career render because uh, it's not an auto disbarred, but how do you continue to work um, yeah. as a lawyer in the legal no. profession when the highest members of your profession um, don't trust you. And and Scalia's words, um, I don't know if anyone on the court has said something similar, uh, would do everything he could to ruin your career. My, my last question, then I'll Sarah jump in. You, I heard you this morning on Fox 5 that Roe was decided or is, is basically law under privacy. So the pri which could potentially be concerning in to for maybe potentially other rights under the privacy uh, statute or whatever you call it, I'm probably not using the right jargon, um, where maybe some of these states start getting into use this decision to get into whether it's gay marriage, you know, you know, same sex relationships or, or what have you. Uh, is that a concern for uh, the way? And I know you said you're only halfway through through the, the draft, but 
Is that something we also have to be concerned about here? Well, uh, Justice Alito tries to separate abortion from all of those other rights, saying that abortion is the only one that involves, you know, ending a life or or what he says is, you know, a, a, a murder. Or, he doesn't say murder, but what he says is ending a life. Um, and so it's different. It's unique compared to all of those other um, rights that have been recognized under this notion of privacy. And there's a, a famous law school case, and I don't need to get nerdy on you, but they, you know, That's privacy right. is found in privacy is found in multiple amendments to in the Bill of Rights, including things like the Fourth Amendment that protect privacy in our papers and effects and, um, you know, prevent the government from um, searching or seizing us without, you know, the certain requirements that law enforcement has to go through. There are a number of places in the Bill of Rights where privacy is imbued in the language and what they represent. And so the one of the ideas is that a woman's decision to choose to have an abortion is her right. It's her private decision uh, to make that choice um, up until the fetus is viable, meaning it can survive outside the womb. Until that moment of viability, the woman's right. Um, as a citizen, as an individual, overcome everything else. And so what flows from that idea of privacy in our constitution have been a number of cases, including um, access to birth control, uh, mm. same-sex marriage, uh, anti-sodomy laws, um, interracial marriage. There are a lot of um, you know, laws and, and holdings that are bound up in this notion of privacy and and. You know, I'm still working my way through the opinion, but Justice Alito tries to carve out abortion uh, and and fetal life as separate from all of those other things. But the other side has argued and, and has said for a long time, if you strike down abortion, then so goes the rest. Hmm. I just have one last question for you. So if Roe versus Wade is overturned in June, um, it goes back to the states, right? So then states can decide if they're going to allow abortion or not. Right. You're exactly right, Sarah. So what Roe v. Wade upholds is a federal constitutional understanding of the right to choose to have an abortion. And what this decision would do if it gets rid of Roe is it kicks the issue back down to individual states to decide for themselves. And the reason it does that, the case is presented to the court here through Mississippi's ban on abortion after 15 weeks. And so what the Supreme Court would be saying is, well, yes, Mississippi can do that. It directly contravenes Roe v. Wade, but we're overturning Roe v. Wade. And now individual states can decide. And Alito um, puts pen to paper on that idea that this now sends it rightfully back to the people to decide for themselves um, in each individual state. Now, other states um, have passed laws that are more restrictive than Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban, including banning abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, which Sarah, as you know. Oh my God, you don't um, even, you hardly know. And you know, the fetus yeah. isn't viable. It's this little, you know, kidney bean, you know, and, and does this apply to medical? Like, so what about if you have, if so, you know, what about if your child is down syndrome? Like that's a big thing, right? And a lot of people terminate for medical reasons because so, there's so much DNA test or, or chromosomal testing. What happens in a medical abortion? Can you still get one of those? All of those questions are going to find their way up to the Supreme Court, but all they can decide is the case that's before them, the facts that are before them, the law that's before them. And this Mississippi law, it does not have exceptions for rape or incest. It does have an exception for severe fetal abnormalities. Now, what constitutes, yeah. they define that in the law. Um, that's a medical definition and, and that's a factual inquiry. And I'm, you know, if this is the court's decision, questions like that, will find their way up to the Supreme Court as then states and, and the country try to grapple with where the line is. But, oh but God, so you, all right, so I'm a little, so not that, a little confused for a second. So you said though, if this draft opinion is the opinion, it eviscerates Roe. So in essence, they're not only ruling on Mississippi, they're basically saying that the six week ban, I, I don't know what state that was, would also be okay. Like, would that then make it back to the court or based on this ruling, if the draft is, is, is accurate, all of that goes away and Roe is, it's just completely gone and states have to then make law. Well, it depends on how the Supreme Court does it. Um, but it, it, they are not upholding a six-week abortion ban in this decision. All they can do is uphold Mississippi's law. But okay. how they do that 
uh, is the question. And this came up at oral argument because the, the viability line gave, addressed the line drawing problem. Um, when you go short of viability, where is the line and why? And so the Supreme Court will have to explain their reasoning for where the line is um, and why. Viability, uh, the government argued, made sense for a number of reasons. The Supreme Court agreed for a long time that viability made sense. So um, they, they, if they uphold the Mississippi abortion ban, 15 weeks is clearly acceptable. I think then the next case that comes up to the Supreme Court, probably in a very similar way, is a 10-week ban or an eight-week ban or a six-week ban, but then the Supreme Court will have to apply their reasoning and rationale for and the line drawing for upholding the 15-week ban to six weeks. And, and depending on what that rationale is, it could buttress an argument to uphold a six-week abortion ban, uh, but it depends on how they do it. Hmm. And that that may be where why Roberts was assuming the reports are accurate, he was hedging his, his bet per se on the 15 for the viability line versus, you know, heading all the way potentially down to six weeks or, or, or even, or just completely no law or mm. no protections. So uh, crazy. Last thought on this. So clearly if this does take place, States start making laws um, I would assume this would disproportionately impact those with less means in many of these states. You know, obviously, people with means and certainly those who live in, in, in blue or purple states, for sure, or, or you know, center right states are probably going to still have laws that provide the right to abortion. So, you know, th that's what's for me personally difficult to reconcile. I mean, you have some of these states that have these trigger laws that automatically will revert to certain restrictions. And these are the states that, you know, I would think that already, you know, for the most part are poorer states, poorer communities. Um, so I think that's just personally hard to grapple with and, and how it's going to impact, you know, those with, with less means in, in a lot of parts of our country. I am not an abortion historian, but those who are and those who are far more studied on this than I do say um, that was true before Roe, that women of means have always been able to get an abortion safely and that when abortion was not accessible and not legal, that the burden then fell to um, poorer and largely minority members of the American public who was trying to get an abortion and that this decision would set us back and that it would still be true after Roe is overturned that women of means will always be able to get an abortion, for example, fly to New York or, um, you know, fly to a state that has, fly to California, fly to Maryland. Um, and traveling long distances, taking the time off work, doing all of those things is much more difficult um, for someone who has a, a nine to five job or has an overnight shift every night or um, doesn't have the means to get on an airplane and go get an abortion in another state or travel six miles outside their city to go get um, an abortion far away in the state. Um, so uh, that's certainly part of the impact analysis here. And you, you have a right to, it doesn't only apply to you based on the state you live in. You have a right to travel to Maryland so that will also be another question. I, I can't remember the state right now who was trying to um, outlaw traveling to another state to get an abortion, which would have all kinds of issues um, legally. But um, yes, I mean, the, the general notion that as an American, you can travel somewhere to do something um, is, is pretty well understood. But again, once states open the door here, there are all kinds of creative um, laws and ideas that people have put forward to further restrict access to abortion. And I think those are the next series of questions that would come uh, once Roe is overruled. And this certainly will have impact, potential impact on, like, I would think, hotly contested gubernatorial races, state legislated yeah. races. So, I mean, I think, you know, you know, especially with primaries coming up and then yeah. obviously, you know, today. The, Ohio today, Ohio today. Right. So, 
Uh, Sarah, anything uh, else for, for Katie before no, we, we let her go? I, no, I mean, thank you for taking the time. I was I was thinking about you this morning. I was like, oh, it's too late to get her on. So I'm so glad that Patrick um, had you on because you're the expert. And um, it's it's wild to see it. You know, it's just wild to see it. So. Well, thanks for having me both. I am back to work. <laughs> Katie, thank you very much. Thanks. Bye, Katie. Um, Patrick, all right. How, how good? How good is she though? Like, oh, she's really she, good. She's no, really no, good. But I love not a because she, not because she not just because she works for Fox Five, but she explains it like so calmly, so rationally that even I can understand it, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even we can get it on this show. It's true. So, yeah, basically, when, when we you know, when we before we hired her, you know, she asked like she said, you know, so what's my goal here? I said. Explain the law so I can understand. <laughs> You're hired. That's like perfect, perfect. She's so good, and um, I'm so glad you got her on. And I just, I, want, I do want to give a shout out to Joe <clears throat> Discipio who uh, gave Joe. me some background on Plessy v. Ferguson and Brown versus Board of Education, and you know, uh, you know, we love Joe. Um, and he hasn't been able to be on for a while, but uh, we're going to have him on probably in two weeks on the 200th episode. And uh, I did want to give him, yeah, as much as I make fun of Joe, uh, he is extremely smart. And um, oh, I just said that out loud. I mean, look, I mean, he, you did, you did, you did. And Joe is the best. We love having him on. So, so how do you feel about Crazy. this? Oh, I mean, you know, I know where I you, mean, st- I know where you stand, but. Oh, totally. I can't believe it. I mean, I, you know, like, of course, you know, my husband is like uber, like he's like progressive, like he's like losing his mind, you know? I mean, it's like when Trump won, you know, like Dan was like, you know, in a coma for like two hours. He couldn't handle it. Um, You know, Dan thinks this is so scary. Like people should just be up in arms. Like this is nuts. I mean, I tend to wonder, like Katie, I guess I'm a more of a there, people are leaking this for a reason. So are they leaking this, like she said, for the American psyche? Are they leaking this to sway a vote? I'm still holding out hope that maybe Brett Kavanaugh does change his mind. Um, yeah, because I, I'm totally. It was interesting, you know, the speculation that it's actually someone on the right who leaked this. That's bananas. See, I didn't to, think about that. Who, in essence, try to lock in the five justices because then it would look like they allowed public opinion to mm-hmm. sway them and allowed the leak to sway them right away from what looks like in February, they were in the majority at five, four. Uh, so, you know, yeah, this speculation that it's automatically someone on the left trying to cause chaos I'm not so sure about that. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be wild if it was somebody on the right? I mean, no, I I think Americans should be just this is just so crazy because even if, you know, like, obviously, I'm older now, like I would not have an abortion at this point. But um, but still, I mean, that's like we have to protect women. I mean, you know where I stand on this. Um, You know, I'm pro-choice with, you know, I think up to viability, whatever that line is, Um, you know. Um, I, listen, I just, I feel for, I feel for these women who, who don't have means and you know, listen, you know, some of these States, like, and again, I'm not picking on States, but like Mississippi, which is obviously the case in front of the court, Arkansas, Louisiana, you know, these States are, are, have, you know, they're, they're poor, they're poor States for the most part. Right. Yeah. And you know, to, to me, you know, the, the one question I wanted to ask Katie was why, you know, I guess these states feel because they elected these individuals who believe this way, therefore they're going to pass these laws that restrict or, you know, make, make abortion illegal. But, um, you know, why can't this be voted on right in a general election? You know, in the state of Mississippi or the state of Arkansas or Louisiana or Utah, or yeah, Wyoming. Yeah, that's a good or, idea. You know, let let the people decide. And if you know what, if fifty five percent of that state, first of all, I think it. I don't think. I think the court should rule to keep Roe, even though technically there's a lot of legal experts who say 
Roe is bad law, that it should be states' decisions. So, you know, you can, you know, legal scholars will debate that all day long. But um, I, yes, I feel, I feel for, you know, I think, again, I think it's a woman's right to choose up to. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, beyond whatever it is now, 24, 25 weeks. At 38 weeks. That's crazy. I think most people, yeah, it's like. What, you know, 15, you know, probably too soon. I think, you know, you're, you're three months in, I mean, six weeks, forget it. You don't even know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, it's I mean, so scary. You probably a period at six weeks maybe, right? Or it's just, you know, I mean, you made one, but you don't even realize potentially that what's going on. Right. Yeah, you would have like, yeah, you could potentially have no side effects. I mean, it, it's scary. I think what's so uh, awful is like these decisions that are made, there's so many other ramifications, right? Like, so, okay, Mississippi, Arkansas, some of these states, Texas, like Texas is the one I think Katie was talking about. Remember, they were offering like $10,000 if you outed your yeah. neighbor. Well, now uh, that they were making it illegal, you could be fined 5000 yeah, five or 10000 And I mean, that's so I, I, bananas. Know, I mean, I look at a state like Texas. Yeah, it's conservative. You have, you have cosmopolitan cities in Texas. You have. Yeah, but it's listen. not like Katie said, it's not going to impact as much people in cosmopolitan areas. This is like rural areas, Bible Belt. Um, but you say that, but at the same time, listen, you know, even if you have some means and there's obviously degrees of means, you know, if 20 to 24 states have very restrictive or full illegal abortion laws. I know. You know, then then all these people are going to be traveling to these other states. You know, what do doctors do? What do you know? And I also wanted to ask her, we had so many questions. Unfortunately, she had to go. But let's say you have an abortion scheduled the end of June and this ruling comes out middle of June. Is it automatically canceled? I was like, I was going to ask her that too. Like, how long does it take effect? Because doesn't is, don't they rule? But it it's takes immediate. Really? Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I believe it's immediate. Their their rulings immediate, but then the state, whatever the current state law, if they even have one, I guess would be then the law of the of that right. state and right? the precedent for that state. So, but I do believe, I do believe, fourteen states have what's called trigger law, trigger laws, that as soon as the Supreme Court, if they were to strike down Roe v. Wade, that law then goes into effect. And I don't know what those are, if it's six weeks, if it's complete ban, if it's 15 weeks or what what have you. So obviously in this case, Mississippi would go to 15 weeks. Right? It just, it's it's so awful because I feel like they never I know that they're just interpreting the law, but it's like they never take into effect. OK, you know, this is going to cause like you remember, I mean, actually, probably even before your time now. But, you know, I mean, so many women died because they went to like these back alley places, you know, yeah, like, trying, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, right. listen, this has been law for 50 years. So I was four. <laughs> Okay, so it was like, you know, before you. But anyway, it's like they don't take into account the safety of these women. And then also what drives me insane is. Well, I, don't know if, I, I, I don't know what they take into account and how they get to their decision. Um, we'll see. Listen, we'll see. Maybe maybe, maybe Kavanaugh or oh, one other changes, changes their mind and. Um, Come through, Brett. Hopefully, Susan Collins has got him on the phone. Hopefully, Susan. Oh my God, that would be. Uh, hopefully, Susan highly, is like, do not. That would be highly inappropriate, I'm guessing. But maybe back channels <laughs> to Kavanaugh. She better be driving to his house today. I mean, I just it, it's so unbelievable because yeah, the, the, there's just so many repercussions of this. You know, if we don't allow women the right to choose. And then it's like, who's I mean, going to... Katie also had an... You know, the third speculation was that it was leaked to... So everyone goes crazy now for two weeks or three weeks. And then when it eventually comes out in five weeks, that outrage is already kind of baked in or already mitigated to some degree. I know. That's a, and that's a fascinating... And we don't there. have all this mm-hmm. violence and craziness, right? Well, I don't know. I still think it's going to be... And to your point, how does this affect the midterms? You know, I mean, everybody's like, oh, the the Democrats are going to be slaughtered. Well, this is a huge I mean, a lot of people I would think are going to vote Democrat hearing this. Yeah, listen, I, you know. I've always questioned and then we can move on for for a few other things for a little. I've always questioned how important abortion rights 
are from a voting standpoint. But I do believe that was, or a lot of that was, with the fact that most people probably never thought Roe would be overturned into their psyche when they were saying that it was sixth or seventh or tenth on the list of important things to them. So to your point, does this now become front and center? You know, you have four or five, six very tight governor's races uh, in, in, you know, so-called purple states. You have, you know, Georgia in, in particular, really tight Senate races. Does this swing those? Um, does this cause the, uh, um, you know, even though Joe Manchin said he, you know, he'll never get rid of the filibuster or Sienema, does this, you know, put pressure on Joe Manchin and Kristen Sienema from Arizona to uh, potentially pass the filibuster, which then would allow the Senate to pass or codify um abortion law across the country uh, i know so, there's so many layers you know, do do they go to 13 justices and hear a case i mean that doubt that, that could be you know i mean listen there, there's a lot on the table from this there is a lot on the. there's gonna be a lot so of pressure many. on the white house to, to to get something done um you know, the theory is if you go to 13 justices, then you could reverse this decision with another case, 6-5. I, I mean, oh, it's oh, so sorry, wild. Seven, six. It'd be good if I could add to 13. Right? <laughs> I, was just, I was just Googling, too, like how many abortions are done every year in the United States. So 20, CDC says in 2019, 625,000 abortions were reported. Oh. But, I, but I wonder if that's like medical abortions included. Yeah. And that seems like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, that seems crazy. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, thanks to Katie again. Amazing. So, Sarah, did you go to the Met Gala? I did not go to the Met Gala. Can you believe where was my invitation? And I feel like I would have. Okay, with the exception of Kim Kardashian, because I do think she's iconic. I would have brought it so much better. Like people, their outfits are terrible. They don't put any effort in. Oh, yeah. So I said this. Let so bad. There's, There's so, so bad. much wrong with this event. <sighs> and by the way, having said that. I would still go if I was invited. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you and I have said that about every. You would go to the Oscars, wouldn't you? I mean, if you were invited I, to the Oscars, I have zero would you chance go? of getting invited to the Met Gala. So I can say it's the dumbest, most hypocritical. It, it's like it's gross. It's just dumb, right? And it, it's it's a I don't know. I find it just over the top. You know, you know, wearing you know. You know, names of people. Hillary wore like names of women she like admired. Okay, great, but yet I, the whole thing is just you know, and and you still have you know the, everyone serving them are still in masks. Uh, oh yes, you know, everyone that fixes her gown and every other celebrity's gown is in a mask. I don't know why. That, outside, it, like, it, uh, listen, I'm not talking masks today, but just the whole thing just reeks of. Yeah. Well, you know what was? Know. Did you find this interesting? I, and, and this, to me, is what drives me nuts about hypocritical Hollywood. So, you know, the the theme was the Gilded Age, right? So, yeah. you know, the Gilded Age. Um, you're thinking like Victorian, but also it was this great economic growth that that had tons of capitalism, tons of corruption. You know, Mark Twain called it like the best and the worst of times, basically because of the economic disparity. Yet not one of these hypocrites of Hollywood, like why didn't someone come as like, I don't know, a, a juxtaposition of capitalism, like of how mm -hmm. like outrageous it was. Like nobody, nobody makes it. Like, I just, I don't know. I find that, I, I just find it interesting. Like the Gilded Age has this great, I don't know, you know, kind of nostalgia, but also it was this very corrupt, horrible, like political time. But not one of those people who tell us all the time how we should live and who we should vote for had any statement on capitalism. It's just, it's yeah. so weird. Like, I, I, I just. I love it. And half of, I mean, I don't know directly which celebrities, but I love that Elon Musk was there. I mean, half yeah, of them probably hate Elon Musk. You know, it's just, I, it's, it's I so. I will say, and maybe, maybe because of the uh, Supreme Court breaking news last night, 
I, fe- I feel like it hasn't been covered as much this year, the Met Gala, but maybe it's been muted a little because of what broke last night. And, but I also think people are like, okay, you know, this is like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, White House Correspondent Center. No, I did not go. Some of okay. our Fox 5 folks did. Um, yeah, I heard it. So I watched, So Trevor Noah, I thought, did a pretty good job. Okay. Uh, Biden, one or two, I think, jokes landed. Other than that, I thought it was, you know. And not, did, I, did, did I, I don't think he was very funny at all. Did I read something too? Like he left, like he was there, and then like didn't stay for dinner or something. Yeah, so he didn't do dinner because of COVID. But makes no sense. (laughs) Again, no sense. He's like in the room. Everyone's around. Uh, The 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 whole thing is just. uh, But you know. And is it, I mean, he's vaxxed. He's probably boosted twice. Don't you believe in the vaccines? I mean, listen, Why he are is, you leaving? You know, he, is, he is, what, 80, 78, 79, whatever he is. I, I mean, listen, I, I get it. That, like, that doesn't bother me. You know, if he doesn't want, you know, I guess the more time you spend, the greater the chances, I would guess, right? Um, so, but, you know. And, and a whole ho-hum event, I guess. Um, but I didn't go, so maybe it was really good. <laughs> maybe it was awesome. Um, okay, yeah, those were two big kind of celebrity events over the weekend. Um, what else? Like, what else do you, is going on? I mean, there's a lot going on. I don't know if it, how you feel about you know di- the whole thing going on with Disney and DeSantis and you know yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, we'll see where we'll see where that goes. You know, I think I did. Okay, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I did want to talk to you about student loan. So talk yes. to me about student loan forgiveness, because oh, by the way, you, you seem like you're like, oh, this should have stipulations and everything. You know, Biden's only talking about $10,000 in forgiveness. Most people have like $70,000 in debt. Well, I think they don't know what he said, 10 to 50,000. Um, and is that per year? Is that total? We don't know. Let, let, let's see what he puts forth. Um, uh, let me say it. I think all the people on social media, mostly conservatives, are like, if I had to pay, then you shouldn't pay. You should have to pay and blah, blah, blah. Right. Listen, it's a dumb argument. Really? I kind of feel like, look, I had to pay. I'm I'm a little annoyed. Oh, okay, But college, (laughs) college education, college education is a runaway train. Okay, it's it's a scam. It It is. And it's, and I'm making this number up, but it's probably 400 times inflation for when I went to college. Yeah, it's crazy. Maybe 500. Like my tuition, if, if based on inflation, it should be 30,000 now, it's 65,000. Like it's not, it's not even in the ballpark of reality in terms of affordability. And, you know, People do feel they need to go to college to do certain jobs. It's a requirement. It's a prerequisite. It's whatever it is. And financial aid is not what it once was in terms of the amount of financial aid that is available to individuals. And oh, by the way, it's still a loan, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. I, I, I meant merit money sure. is not as I, you know, obviously financial aid is a loan, and that's what we're talking about. But so I do feel for families, kids who have to go to school to be a nurse, have to go to school to be a teacher, have to go to school to be whatever, and yet it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And by the way, the state schools are packed, and even in the state schools, you know, whatever. So to me, if you're going to forgive certain amount of student debt, I would First target on teachers, nurses, medical professionals, first responders, law enforcement, and so forth, right? Give them more than others. Second, there has to be some reform on the university side. And I know you're talking about private institutions in addition to state institutions. So it's hard for you know, laws to impact state, uh, non-state institutions. But there has to be something like... They have to give a higher percentage of merit money. They have to 
break into their endowment. Yeah, maybe, thank you. Their endowments are insane. May, these private. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, you get to pay state tuition and they open up so many slots for out-of-state residents and they only pay what they would have paid in-state. I don't know. I'm, uh, you know, I'm making stuff up now, but to me, to just, in essence, give a handout with no reform, we're going to be back here 10 years from now or five years from now. I understand that. Right? No, I get that. Okay. I like that point. And, or, or maybe there should be some, you know, work, you know, you know, requirement or I, I, but to me, there needs to be something other than just handing money out. Um, obviously it looks like he's going to put a, 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 a limit or a, I should say set if you're making between 125 and 150 as the max, then you'll get money back. If you're more than that, you will not, which is a little bit unfair too. I agree. You know, I agree with that. I mean, if you're, if you're a if doctor, you're a do- if you're a doctor you. who came from no means and you're making a buck 80, you're, you still have 800,000 in loans. Yeah. Do you think you I, can afford to buy a house, pay for college loans, yeah, everything so, else? No, that's know, crazy. Again, I, it doesn't sound well thought out right now. So I don't know where it actually goes, but I do, you know, I have two people in our inner circle who both, I believe, deserve some assistance. Right. And I, th- I think that's okay. But how much, what are the parameters I'd focus on? certain industries professions first and give them more than yeah. others and um you know like listen if you went to school for four years and you're a teacher or you're a nurse or or maybe you served after you went to school in the military uh, yeah maybe full forgiveness for those people yeah assuming you know your parents aren't worth millions of dollars or something but and then maybe others get so anyway I, yeah, so so I'm not totally against it, but I I need to see what it yeah what what it looks like completely. But there has to be these institutions are out of control, out of control. They you know they have yeah they have a football stadium, they have a baseball stadium, they have a softball stadium, they have a lacrosse field that no one can. Then they have a field hockey stadium, and then they have their soccer complex. Then they have their basketball complex, and they have their swimming thing, and this, and this building, and that building. And yet they got four people in a dorm room that you can barely fit two people. They have, you know, they don't even offer housing in some of these institutions after the second year, or even first year. You got to, you're on your own, for instance, you know, and yet they're charging $68,000. And by the way, there's no, I shouldn't say no, there's very little, if any, once you graduate, you're on your own. Like, there's no help. I know. It's, it's job, job assistance, job placement, job guidance. None. None. Hell, you can hardly bye get bye, in touch with the. I, I, and then they send you. Then they start sending you. Will and you donate? Will you donate? Yeah. It's like uh, no. Wait, I know. I'm telling you, it's a complete utter scam. It the is other a thing scam. Is, it is a scam. Where where I think they could reform also. There's a lot of jobs out there, and a lot of capable people who can't necessarily go to college, who can still do these jobs. Right. Many of these jobs that say college degree required need to rethink that right maybe yeah maybe two years community college you hire them and then depending on how they do or maybe you give them additional training skills or send them to classes yourself or what have you so i just think the entire thing needs to be looked at reformed rather than just writing checks to you know no i agree I agree with that. I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. Um, okay, what else? I mean, there's so much going on. Uh, we're, we're 50 minutes in, and Victoria's going to freak out that she has to approve this. That's true. She does have other things to do today, I'm sure, than listen to us. All right. And what Do you want to do one last story? Anything about sports yeah. going on that you want to talk about? 
Uh, so the draft, I actually watched the first round. Okay. You know, again, you know, who knows? All the speculation, you know, all the grades, who did it. Wait, Looks wait, like is this commander- NFL or NBA? I didn't watch this Sorry, at all. NFL, NFL, Okay, okay, NFL. I didn't watch. All right. So uh, it was in Las Vegas this year. Okay. Uh, you know, the commanders, you know, according to most grades, got a C, C minus. But who knows, right? Okay. I always like to say five, five years from now, you should regrade. And you know, it'd be it'd be fun to look at. Here's what all the grades were from whether it's the Athletic, Bleacher Report, ESPN, Fox Sports, whatever it is. And then now, five years later, if you gave it a C, is it a B? Is it a D? Is it an F? You gave it an A. Yeah, it'd be kind of fun. Anyway, so the draft. Um, sad story. You know, not to shift gears. So said we covered it last week. The yes. James Madison, uh, Lauren Bennett, who unfortunately tragically took her life star softball player on the James Madison university uh, softball team. Uh, they have, they have, they announced, I believe it was yesterday or the day before that they were canceling the remainder of their season. I believe they had five games left. Oh my God. So uh, sad. So I'm sure that was a tough, tough decision an internal decision. I saw people criticizing the decision. You know what? Until you're put into that situation, I believe it was a team vote or certainly a team vote. And then, you know, from an administrative administration standpoint, they collectively made that decision to, uh, to, to, to forego the rest of the mm-hmm. seasons. Very, very sad. So uh, okay, other than that in sports. Well, next week we got to talk about Chris Bass at the MLB player calling out the MLB for their baseballs. I thought that was a great yes, clip that you retweeted from uh, yeah, reporter love, Dave Ross. Yeah, I, I mean, love that. And then we could touch on the uh, Champions League next year. We okay. got NBA playoffs. We got a lot going on. All playoffs. Right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, great discussion today. Um, so good. Hey, we're, I think we're two weeks. Uh, is this one night? Three weeks from 200 three weeks from 200 episodes that's crazy Patrick you have like outdone most podcasters ever of all time 200 podcasts that's a that's I cannot believe Sarah, we've been podcasting you, you and I we've 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 sat down and almost 200 times are we and, have- I, you know, are you, and you've come a long way <laughs> I cannot believe actually we ought to replay our first episode and we see should. what we were like then oh my god crazy all right patrick you're, where do people you're a flaming millennial <laughs> flaming liberal millennial and yeah. i was you know we've i think we've come to the middle sarah we uh, seriously i think i feel like we have we're like independent i mean honestly we're the common sense party now uh, as our you know as what? our listeners laugh by the way ba- uh barry weiss uh who i think is a great writer unbelievable um, that's what that's the that's her 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 writings and podcast is called common sense excellent it's just common sense all right where do people follow you all right patrick gm fox 5 dc okay we'll see you next bye, week Sarah. patrick bye